Jimmy, are you ready to, to comment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, just, just go for it. Yeah, I was I was pleased to line up as well. I think with Milne and Hodgson both out, the natural option was to go for Hope. They performed well against both these squads. And obviously, the divisions again. And I don't really see all, any other option going for us. Yeah, are you, st- sorry, are you still on the bus, Jimmy? Eh? <laughs> yep. That's going to be some tough, tough work for David. This, this is up there with the time man. Hobby. Pete was a guest in Asda while he was doing his shopping. <laughs> Uh, do you know? Do you know when you're going to be off the bus? Yeah, literally like three, three, four minutes. Right, we've got three or four minutes to chat about the game until we go back to Jimmy there. Honestly, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I admit it's the Sunday sir, because like, I'm sorry. Thought <laughs> I'd be home like 25 minutes ago. I wonder what everybody, a bit of us like guys in the bus sitting there going, I totally disagree, Jamie. I thought Hope should have been playing at centre back. <laughs> I did get a weird look when I was like, yeah, I was happy with the light-up, so. Right. I, I can't imagine being in a bus and someone next to me being recording a podcast. Like, that's... <laughs> I, like, I would I would be strongly against that. I'm very anti-folk who, like, talk on, like, like even with my headphones in on the bus. Um, but I, chatting for a podcast is, is unacceptable, Jamie, so maybe best to mute for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I, right. I, I have my headphones on, don't worry. Even so, though, like, you've got to sort of project a wee bit, and uh, I wouldn't be happy if I was sat anywhere in the vicinity of you. Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Friday night's 4-0-1 over Queen's Park, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm great to be honest. I'm still buzzing off that win. Fantastic performance. Nothing to complain about. Rhys Haldane's here. Rhys, how are you? Yeah, much the same as Jamie. Very um, in a very good mood in the last couple of days over this Easter holiday. And a lot of that is down to the performance we witnessed on Friday night. Very, very encouraging signs, and I'm looking forward to discussing it. And rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, are you well? I'm very well. Had a great Easter weekend, and as Nera said, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about the game. Uh, just before we start, David, what were you up to today? What did you go and see? I went to see the Dungeons and Dragons film. It's a good laugh. I, I'd go. I'd say go see it. It's quite funny. I'd just like the listeners to know that we're we're planning a a tenth anniversary episode of the, for the the Morton one 0 game and and David has all the ingredients to to produce this episode. We've got some very good special guests, but today's chosen to go to see uh, was it Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, if if you agree with David, fair enough. But I would encourage you to tweet him every day uh, to get that episode because there's some some very special guests lined up. If somebody wants to pay me like 3k a month, you can have your podcast out the morrow. Um, but until that happens, you, you, you'll get it when you get it. 
Uh, we will start as we always do with a look at the start eleven on Friday night, and as expected, there was only one change. Darren Brownlee came in for Lee Hodgson's, which meant Kevin Holt played at left back, as we discussed on last week's pod. Reese, were you happy with that team when you saw it on Friday night? Yeah, it was was to be expected. Obviously, we didn't really know the extent of Hodgson's injury, whether he was going to make the squad or not. And I don't think anyone would be too disappointed to see Kevin Holt back in his natural position, which is is actually, as we were saying last week, it's it's weird to see him play there. You almost forget that he did play, what, 10 seasons of his career as a left-back and he's only now really become a centre-half. So, uh, no complaints at all. And, and as I mentioned on the pod last week, get Kevin Holt at left-back and he gets goals and... It happened on Friday um, once again, so I no, zero complaints about the team, and it worked out okay in the end. David, do you agree with Reese? Yeah, uh, much like Reese said, I was very happy with the lineup when it came out, especially with Holt. I mean, I'd advocate for playing Holt at left back last week anyway. Um, yeah, I was really happy with it when it came out. Reese, what did you make of the game on Friday night? Uh, I. It's, Overall, an absolutely brilliant night. But going into the game, I know we, we spoke about it last week. I wasn't sure what to expect from how we would approach this game under Dylan because we've seen how we've we've sort of approached the games against Queens Park earlier this season, and uh, I know a lot of the Queens Park fans say that we almost play into their hands whenever we come up against them, and it, and it suits the way that we suits the way that they play the game, the way that we approach it. But look like we we obviously did go do the right thing, and it's it turned out the the first half was a bit. It was a bit cagey. Um, I wouldn't say either team edged it. I mean, there's no really clear-cut chances for any team. But we, we played a couple of a, a nice passes of play, but as did Queen's, and it was a bit itchy-peachy at half-time, and it could have went either way. Obviously, we come out the second half, and it looked like Dolan's probably said something to Kevin Holt, like, get, just get further up the park. And I thought Kevin Holt was so aggressive in the second half. Like, any ball that they they played down the line, like, in there on the deck, he was he was going through people, and and that's what you need. Obviously, he's following the, the instructions from Dylan, and it worked a treat. You see, um, Kevin Holtman running into the box, and that's where the, the opening goal comes from. And from that point on, you just hope that we've seen so often, like you hope Fisso can build on the lead, and, and quite often we we don't. We can kind of go the other way and, and protect it, and that's always a bit of a worry. You know, like we've been really good defensively, our Queen's going to pile on the pressure, but. And then we missed the chance for a turn on. You're thinking that would have killed the game. But thankfully, just minutes later, we do get the second. And from that point on, it's almost a bit of procession. We, we look really good. We look really confident. We're strong, we're strong going forward. And every time we did go forward, I thought we were going to end up putting the ball in the net. So a very good performance. We approached it the right way. Um, and we're, it's crazy to say it, but we're right back amongst it now. We look brilliant. And under in front of the TV... Everyone I've kind of spoke to, like the, the neutrals, so to speak, that I've spoke to in the in the meantime since the game, they're all saying now, like, yeah, I think Fissel can, can maybe go and do it now. Like, you were brilliant the other night. Like, Queen's aren't up too much. And that's just what happens when a game's on the telly. And you, you look at the players that scored. Like, Turner was excellent the other night. Now people come up to you in the street and go, oh, that killed Turner. Some player surprised he's playing with yours because they've tuned in for that one game. And how often do we see Tiffany turning up for the TV games? And that's why he gets linked to all these moves. And not just saying that he only does it in the TV games, but that's what it gets your name about. So to do that in front of the TV and the, the goals that we scored to some absolutely belters, that, that second one especially, that's if Man City, Barca, any of these good football inside scored that, they'd be applauded all over social media. And it's brilliant to see that from Dylan. And it, it, gets, you, it gets you excited about the, the prospects at Lighty Heads. And what is it now? Four games left of the season. Is it four or five? Um, 
four, I think it is. Whatever it's going to be left of the season, it's going to be really entertaining. We don't know. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns. We can still win the league. Can we get top two? Who knows? But I'm really looking forward to it now. I think you actually make a really good point, Reese, on, on Hope pushing up the park. I think in the first half, we were getting into some decent positions and then every time we crossed the ball, I think it was Eze who was who was clearing it and we weren't really getting much joy in the box. But as you say, Hope moved up on, I think Oakley was their right back because obviously not as tall as, and imposing as Eze and, and Hope dominated him. And that's really where we got a lot of joy in the second half, not just from the goals, but all throughout the second half, that seemed to be the tactic and it, and it worked a treat. David, did you enjoy Friday night? Yeah, it was a fantastic day. Obviously, bank holiday, lots of people out for the day. You know, Munns was absolutely jumping um, before the game. That You know, the tenor tickets for a friend was a great initiative. So many people bringing their pals. And yeah, just, you know, lots of people there. And then when you got into the game, the first half, it, was, it wasn't the best first half. However, we, we kept a clean sheet and, you know, we, we looked... All right, but I, just, I don't think it was the most entertaining first half of football. But then it's a bit like the QP game, the last one at Firhill, where it, it kind of could have went either way until we kind of got that pivotal moment when we scored. And then when we get the second, they, their heads just dropped and then we ran away with it. I thought in the second half were absolutely excellent. I agree about Holt being fantastic and Turner. One of my favourite sort of partnerships from last season was... Holt and Turner, you know, um, Holt got a lot of a lot of his goals were assists from Turner, and I, I I don't know, I just when they're both in the park, I, I just really enjoy them, especially when Holt's at left back. I just yeah, I really enjoy watching them, and yeah, to a man that second half, I thought everybody was absolutely brilliant, and we were killing a game off, which is something that we've struggled with in the past, and yeah, by the end when it was like three four, every the the, the the crowd were going wild and it was just such a fantastic night. I really, really enjoyed it. And again, puts us back in the hunt. Jamie, if you're if you're off the bus, who were the standout performers for you on Friday night? One more stop like that. Fuck's sake. Right, I'll hopefully Jamie can answer who's uh, standout performances were in a minute. Reese, I'll ask you. We've mentioned Kevin Holt getting pushed up higher up the pitch as a sort of tactical tweak from Dylan. What else do you think he's done to improve things? Because there were some interesting comments from, from Danny Mullen post-match about having having game plans and things like that going into games. What do you think Dylan's done to improve things? Because it's been a, a noticeable upturn for him since he came in. Yeah, definitely uh, he's tweaked the tactical side of things and that, that was a bit of a bit of a bold comment from Danny Mullen to come out and make fair play to him. Um, and, and he himself seems to be thriving under Dylan, even though he's, he's had sort of minimal minimal minutes. But whenever he comes off the bench, he, he does a job for us now and he's getting a goal. So, it's as I say, it's only a good thing when, when these, these strikers are getting amongst the goals and they look happy to be coming off the bench and contributing every week. In terms of what Dylan's changed, wait, he's, he's definitely, he's, he's done a 360 with the defence. We're leaking goals kind of all season and the the thing that we always said under McCall, if we concede two goals, we'll try and score three. And it was so gung ho. So often you watched our games, and it was a game that was suited for the NBA. It was absolute basketball matches, and it's not been like that under Dylan. It's it's either been nil nil one nil, or the games where we've been the five nils, the four nils, we've been looking brilliant. So we, we do look a lot more compact, and and that comes down to what happens on the training field. And and it's crazy to think, obviously Scally and Archie, two defensive minded coaches. And we were leaking goals for fun. And you bring in a guy who, for all intents and purposes, 
Doolan just put the ball in the back of the net for his entire career and we've sorted out the defence and I remember being up at Cove and watching the warm-up 10 minutes before kickoff. obviously McCall's not the most hands-on coach and he probably had never has been he's a man manager but I remember 10 minutes before kickoff up at Cove and Dools is laying off the balls for the strikers that are hitting shots and I'm just thinking why is he still taking these warm-up drills 10 minutes before kickoff? but that just goes to show you he's so hands-on he wants to help the players he wants to be doing it himself. He wants to be in their ear, giving them every last bit of information. And that's ultimately probably what the upturn in forms come down to. And if Doolan has his own sort of ways that he wants to approach management, he's going about it the right way. I mean, that's nine games now, five wins, three draws and, and one loss. And you mind the call, you, you still sort of break the season down into quarters and you don't get a, a better sort of run than that for Dool. So long may it continue. And I, and I hope to see more of the sort of performances we've seen the last couple of weeks. Hopefully that is Doolan now sort of getting his his impact on the team and the, the stamp on, on the way we're playing football and it, it was absolutely a joy to watch. So if we can keep it like that, I don't think any Fissel fans will be having many complaints at all. It's really interesting you mentioned doing, out doing the warm-ups and it's something you really don't see from a lot of managers. I think you get a lot of managers who go out and watch for a bit, but to be doing that, as you say, <laughs> laying off balls to the strikers 10 minutes before kickoff, I think it just shows that he's so keen to keep the standards up and it's almost like a lead-by-example thing, which I think he did throughout his career. We've spoken about how Doolan's maybe not the most noisy, the most passionate. Like He's not your sort of typical leader. He's a, he's a lead-by-example guy. And if he's out there doing that 10 minutes before the game, then the standards are going to be as high as possible 10 minutes before the game. And I think we've seen that reflected in performances. But even at a players who maybe weren't performing earlier in the season, you look, maybe Mitchell's the prime example. Like we're getting great performances at him now. We're getting great performances across the pitch. And it probably just comes from Doolan setting the standards so high. And also, we're just doing the basics, right? I, I'm going to bring us back back to golf, and I'm going to talk about golfing later on in the podcast. But the golfers at the top of the game, a lot of the time, it's it's boring, and then they sprinkle in a bit of magic. You know, they're just hitting fairways, they're just hitting greens, and then every so often they'll, they'll drain a 50-footer. We are doing the basics so well at the moment, and I think that's been reflecting quite a few of the games haven't been the most exciting. But then when it clicks like it does in the second half on Friday, it, it's magic. And that all comes from just doing the basics and just being keeping all these clean sheets. I think it's seven and nine games. That's incredible. And it all just stems from from basics and standards and doing the little things. I think I think that's what Dylan has ingrained. Jamie, are you in a position to to say who, who impressed you? Yeah, don't worry. I'm showing my fly now. So yes, I can talk about the performance. But is that you just wanted to, to ask about the game? Is it yeah, performance the... or is it line up? Right, I'll come back to you, Jamie. David, no, 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 who are the... I can, I can hear you jangling your keys. It's a shambolic performance from Jamie. I'll come back to you in a minute. David, who were the standout performers for you on Friday night? Uh, well, I'll tell you who's not a standout performer this week. Jamie McDonald's. It's a um, one-game ban. It's a one-game ban, I... You try to have to think up such a question here for oh, next man, week. I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. You can make yourself. That's what you can do right now. Can't Thank wait you. to find out how much this, how much of this gets in. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, great performances, I, I thought Holt was absolutely brilliant. He was, he, he was giving us so much joy down the flanks in the second half, and I, yeah, I just, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, scoring goals as well. You can't complain at that. Uh, and again, Turner. I really enjoyed Turner as well. I thought those two were absolutely brilliant. But I mean, I feel like 
everyone was really good. And in the second half, I mean, in the first half, I don't think anybody was especially bad, but in the, the second half, I thought everybody was passing with flying colours. Even, you know, even Mitchell, you know, he had one or two saves that he had to make and stuff like that. I just, yeah, I thought everyone was really, really good, but Holt and Turner were my favourites. Jamie, what was your thoughts on the game and who stood out for you? It's quite similar to what Reese was saying in the first half. I thought it was pretty cagey. Fun. You could tell both sides really didn't want to lose and they knew what was at stake. There wasn't really many clear-cut chances. Well, we had a lot of the ball and got it away quite a few times, but every time we kind of put it in the box, just Eze cleared it or just kind of cut it out. We didn't get a huge amount of joy from that, but in the second half, we really like, turned it on, made a couple different changes. You could hear Dolan was saying in the post-match interview on the BBC, I don't know if he's caught it, but he was saying that he said at halftime, we're going to go for this game, we're not just going to try to get one goal, we want to keep pushing them because we know the goals are there and got hoped to kind of push up a bit more and use his physicality well, which I thought made a massive difference, to be honest, because I think he bullied their right back almost all game. He was just, when he was getting forwards, he just couldn't handle them. And he definitely, I'd say, Hope was my standout performer, but there were so many because Turner was fantastic as well. Thought, I even thought like Fitzy did well off the bench. Wallace was really good in the first half and did continue to second as well. Jamie Mellon, another every week he's at least like a seven or eight out of ten. And it's funny how things can change so quickly in football. And I'm just so delighted how well Dylan's doing with us because you know it's a club legend and just wants to do well. Rich, do you recommend that? Just on, I just had a wee thing when I was thinking about the standouts there. Like I know you think when you think about standouts, you, you think of people that have caught the eye or someone who's popped up with a goal and an assist. But since Dylan's came in, I just want to touch on the the sort of Adam Muirhead renaissance that we've been seeing. He's gone under the radar and and he's been quiet and and that's what you want from your centre half. See if we're keeping clean sheets every week and we're looking solid. And Muirhead, see for all of Muirhead's sort of he doesn't have all the attributes, but what he does do, he does it brilliantly. He's no nonsense. He's always been the same. And I remember earlier on in the season, people are moaning that that Muirhead's not playing out from the back and he's not going in big, mazy runs that we had from Lewis Mayo. You're never going to be able to change the way that Muirhead is. He's always been the same. I loved him the first time he was here and I love him for what he does now. Just an absolute shithouse centre-half who just le- leathers the ball and he's been he's a leader at the back and you need guys like that. Do I think he's a solution long-term? No. But for right now, I, I can have zero complaints with how he's been playing lately and I think it, it's been tough for him as well. The, the centre-back partnerships are changing around him almost every week, so... Just a, a wee bit of praise for Adam Muirhead, I think, would be as would be needed because he's, he's been brilliant and, and you don't really get many too many plaudits when you're keeping clean sheets. A lot of people can kind of forget that how good he's been playing. So I, I think that the whole defence has been brilliant and, and Muirhead especially to come in has done really well. Yeah, on Muirhead as well. One thing I thought was really impressive about him on Friday was that you could see he got injured in that tackle that he made and he was moving really awkwardly for about 10 or 15 minutes but he just soldiered on because we didn't have anyone on the bench no defenders to bring on to replace him and he ended up still putting in a good shift like you had to see it about 20 minutes of that game and you could tell he was in discomfort and it's the sort of attitude you want and just doesn't matter even if even if you're in pain you're just you start desperate for the win and it was only 2-0 at that point so 2-0 with 20 minutes to play you know what we're like anything can anything can change in that time and I thought it was really impressive that he just soldiered on and just got on with it despite clearly being discomfort and hopefully that's nothing serious and he's absolutely fine for Saturday I'll just I'll just finish by saying the that second goal. I know David, we've joked about when we do our end of season awards, just having a goal of the season competition between Snedden's goal and Tiffany's at Ibrox. But that second goal is the best team goal I think we've scored in years. I think it's up there with the the Stephen O'Donnell goal at Tanadice. I think in years we'll be still replaying that goal. It was 
live it was so good and it looks great in telly as well the touch from graham live was absolutely sensational and there's there's magic from lawless it's got a bit of everything that we've been good at this season and that goal i loved it i agree um i thought that it reminded me of when jerry Britton and toasty burns were together they were just an incredible partnership and they'd done audacious stuff like this and it was it was a real harking back to that and yeah i i thought it was an unbelievable goal i just thought thought when you were talking about like sort of the tactical differences in dylan i think that one thing obviously we talked about how qp had our number they very much as you were saying we were playing into the hands you know every time we played them because we were so rigid under um, mccall that um they kind of they'd worked us out knew how to kind of combat us and then when dylan's obviously changed the game plan up a little bit and I, I think QP struggled to react. And I think especially when we changed it in the second half, because I think they were so used to us being rigid and sticking to a formula when we shifted it up a bit, they, they kind of didn't know what to do with it. And I thought it was really interesting that, you know, he's changed the game plan and, and QP were completely flummoxed by it. And it, it just goes to show, you know, how well Dylan is doing that, um, that he can do that sort of thing. Because, yeah, I, I thought they were brilliant. But that second goal especially was unreal and and on that second goal one one more last thing uh, that was jack mcmillan's 10th assist of the season from right back so we i know you love him and sing his praises every week but i'll give him a shout out as well he was he goes under the radar i think especially when when we score goals like that um i thought he was brilliant again and another assist for him see i, I know that the fissile archive looks like this as well so and i've said this before jack mcmillan's got more than 10 assists this season and if you go back and look at the Air United game where we lost 4-2, I think it was, he got both assists that day, but they ended up giving the goal to Graham and the assist to Dowd. But there's like very little footage of that game, but he got both assists that day, so he's been on 10 already, don't worry about that. I think someone as well deserves a bit of praise is Danny Mullen, because we were discussing like maybe a month ago or something about how we don't really have anyone on the bench right now that you can look to who will come on and score a goal, but that's Danny Mullen now with two goals in his last two games, both off the bench as well. And his third goal like completely killed the game. It killed any nerves. And having someone on the bench that is coming on and making a difference and his overall play I think is improving as well week by week. And just him having him as a threat on the bench when you you see Graham go off. We'd said before, and I think you said once, Matt, at the minute that Tiffany and Graham go off, it's almost like a threat completely disappears and the heads drop a bit. But I think with Mullen coming on, now he's scoring as well, that just doesn't have the same effect now. And we've got someone on the bench that we can turn to. And that's something I think we, we've missed for our, since Dowd stopped scoring, really. So I think it's crucial to have someone on that back. Yeah, good call. Earlier this week, I caught up with Charlene and Mark from the Partick Thistle Disabled Supporters Association. I'm now joined by Charlene O'Hara and Mark Rowntree from the Partick Thistle Disabled Supporters Association. Uh, Charlene and Mark, thank you very much for joining us. How are you both doing? No problem. Thanks for having us. Hi. All good. Good stuff. Charlene, I'll start with you. Do you want to just give us a, a quick overview about what the association is all about and the sort of work you've been doing? 
basically the way it started was I had won the competition by the Drag Foundation to, you know, hospitality ticket for the Scottish Cup match against Dunfermline. And there was a few wee issues to do with the, the seating, you know, the red seats and yep. the Jack Redmondson. They basically, the whole experience in the hospitality itself was good, but when they tell us to go to the seats, that is where I'm sort of issues. Basically, because I've got cerebral palsy, my balance isn't good and stuff like that. So getting to the seats was a bit of a problem. It was a wee bit awkward, and I turned to my granda and I said, this won't do. And I said, there must be something I can do. Uh, and my granda says, I see, see what you can do about it. I looked on the Plastic Social website for the Disabled Supporters Association, and I seen a wee information section, and it had Mark's details. So I emailed Mark uh, that I was interested in membership, and Mark informed me that the, the DSA was pretty much defunct. I went like that, I said, how's that? And Mark went on to explain the mm. circumstances and all the, the issues. That is when I got in touch with Sandy Fye from the Drugs Foundation. Sandy loved the idea. I, I said to him, look, there any ways I could maybe try and get that going again, try and, you know, bring it back for disabled supporters. Because as far as I was concerned, Disabled drag fans just don't feel represented. You know, there's no active voice for disabled drag fans. And I felt that was something that was missing, that the club could maybe improve. So what happened was I put it on my social media and Sandy got back to me and said, I'll put you in touch with Stuart Goldie. So as a board member of the Jack Foundation, Stuart and I had a lengthy chat about Disabled Supporters Association, what we could do to re- resurrect it and all that thing. Stuart got in touch with Jerry Britton, you know, this was the starting point. I got in touch with Mark again. I said, look, Mark, I want to try and resurrect the DSA. Stuart sent the email to Jerry Britton. Jerry Britton loved the idea. I went a Zoom meeting myself, Mark. Dougie McInnes, who is a Disability Access Officer at Fair and Norman Wilson and a few others. We just started firing ideas and things like that. We're so grateful that we've had the support for the club and things like that. So that's just that. We're here, you know? Yep, that's great. Thanks, Charlene. Uh, Mark? In an ideal world, what does a sort of match day experience need to, to improve on for you? And what are the what are the DSA's sort of goals short term and long term? Well, very difficult because so many disabilities are what unique to the person. So what sh- what might be fine for me wouldn't be all right for anyone else. But essentially what we would like to do is reduce or preferably remove any barrier to anyone who's suffer from any disability of any kind and allow them to uh, enjoy the, their date for hell in the same way that MJ Orford, who is not disabled. I know that sounds very uh, worldly and all that, but I think with uh, the new start we're make, making, we're, we're actually intending to do a realistic job, which I don't think has ever been done before at Hill. 
So what do you think um, needs done to sort of help move that along? And what can what can fans do to sort of help you get involved as well? I help them well, get involved, it's just this, sorry. I'm sure there's uh, fans who don't count themselves as disabled, and they are, you know, whether by their age or injury. And what I'd like to see is all people, whatever their uh, disability coming forward, join the uh, association because we can't do anything if people don't tell us what they want. Thanks, Mark. Charlene, how can how can fans get in touch with the association? Basically, right, we've got we've got a Facebook page and a Twitter page. The Facebook page is just Patrick Special Disabled Supporters Association. The Twitter page is at PTFC underscore GSA. They can also email us. So it's DSA at PTFC.co.uk. So get in touch with us. Explain. You can either say you want to become a member, you want to volunteer, or you can even do both. That's even better. So I'd, I'd advise anybody that identifies as having a disability and, you know, just get in touch. But if they're, if they're no sure about coming to work along to watch this show, our ambition is to maybe give them all the information that they need. If anybody has had a bad experience at Fair Hill in the past for whatever reason, just get in touch with us and we'd then, we'd then aim to try and make sure that nobody else has that same bad experience. We just want to, we just want to try and make the match day experience as good as possible for disabled supporters. That doesn't go for our own supporters. That goes for the visiting supporters as well. So if, for talking sake, Dundee United, if the Dundee United fans, there was a small section that were disabled, they can get in touch with us and say, look, I'm a disabled Dundee United fan. I'm coming to my team's game, blah, blah, blah. Is there any way you could help make the match day experience better for me? Well, we'd be more than happy to accommodate for all supporters, not just for own. That's great. Thanks, Charlene. Uh, Mark and Charlene, is there anything else you'd like to have a chat about while you're on? Yeah, I, I meant to say that when we were chatting earlier. Uh, we would also welcome inquiry from anybody who has here, a family member of a disabled person, if they would, you know, if they're not sure about the facility at Firehill. So we'd, we'd love to include everyone in it. You know, even friends of your mate in the wheelchair, you know, you could ask what we could do to improve his access to the game. Matt, I would also, I would also like to add, basically, if anybody's got any inquiries, like, they can just, they can just email us, get us on the Facebook page or the Twitter page. But we've got a few aims as the DSA. We want to improve the match day experience at Fair Hill for everybody, Jag fans or otherwise, yes. We would also like to eradicate discrimination and we would just we would just like to make sure that people feel welcomed at Fair Hill irrespective of disability because as we all know, not all disabilities are visible. Thanks very much, Charlene and Mark.
We're back at Hill on Saturday to face uh, United. Another big game. Reece, what's that game you expecting? We've had a couple of wins against there this season and a defeat. What are you expecting on Saturday? Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one now. Um, it's getting to, to crunch time. And the thing under Doolin is I'm really, I'm going into games confident again now because you look at the, the games that he's played. I mean, we've beat Dundee. We finally got the monkey off our back and we've beat Queen's Park. We've beat Air already, as you say. Um, and we've, I don't, we've, not, we've not beat Morton yet, but we're beat, we've beat the teams around about us, the ones who are your so-called challengers at the very top of the league. And for him to do that in his first couple of games, it's been it's been brilliant and it's brought that confidence back to the squad. And we go into these games and you don't, you're almost not worrying too much about the opposition. You're just hoping that we can turn up on the day. Um, and that's the way things should be. I know um, United do have a couple of good players, but I don't think they're the same side that they were at the beginning of the season. Um, I know a lot of the focus was on Akinyemi, but I thought obviously they had Josh Mullen and, and Logan Chalmers on either wing. And I thought they were a brilliant side going forward. Obviously, they lost Chalmers. I think Dundee United sent him to, to Tranmere um, back in back in uh, January. So I think that was a loss for them. And I don't think they've quite been the same side since. Obviously, we've spoke about it all season that Akinyemi gets your goals. But all season, every time we've played against him, we seem to be doing all right against him. Obviously, by the world, they scored it for how a couple of, a couple of months back. But we seem to contain him. And even when even when we've had shaky spells, we've done all right against him. But I hope we, I just hope we turn up again. I see the club are doing the same, the ten pound bring your friend incentive, and and hopefully that works out again because I think it was three thousand eight hundred that were there on Friday night. That's a televised game as well, and that's a game where Queens Park brought two hundred fans. I do expect uh, Air to bring a, a much better support than that. Um, not to have a dig at Queens Park, but I think yeah, will bring a better support than that, and it should should fill that out a bit and. And Bright make a, a really good good day of things. Hopefully it's nice and sunny and hopefully we get the three points. But I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good game of football. Air obviously they'll be coming coming and try to prove a point, try to get right back amongst it as well. And um, they've got every right to to feel the same way that we do. Both still up there at this stage of the season, so should be a real real ding dong. David, would you make any changes to the starting eleven for for Saturday? Um, no, we're just on such a good run at the moment. You kind of go with what you have, um, unless you know your hand is forced we we have a good squad and you know one or two changes here or there I mean like for example Fitzpatrick coming on in the second half like he, he showed himself to still be a worthy contributor to the team so I would stay with the same team to be honest but it's not because of lack of depth I don't think um, and yeah you just kind of you, you go with the momentum and you, you just keep the same squad if you can Jamie do you agree? Yeah definitely I don't think there's any point in changing it. We were playing a team who's scored nine goals in the last two games. So you don't want to be making any changes aside from injury forcing your hand because the team played fantastic in the second half. Yes, I suppose you could make a case of Danny Mullins starting at scoring two in his last two, but I'm not dropping, you know, you're not dropping Brian Graham. And I don't think there's any point in making a change to that 11. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think we'll sweep them away like we have and we think it's going to be a bit more of a tight game but I think the way the team's playing right now we've got we've definitely got enough about us and we just need to concentrate on ourselves so I know everyone's talking about oh, if Dundee lose that game in hand and of course I want them to but at the end of the day the only thing we can do is concentrate on ourselves and we put in a run together at the end of the League One season to win the title and there's no reason we can't do the same again it's going to be a tough ask but I think the squad's capable of it Reese, it's it's important to remember that we have not yet added the points on for the prediction game that we played pre-season where we asked, I think it was 10 questions for, 
or two points each maybe, but we'll, I'll definitely revisit that at some point. But you're still leading the predictions as it stands at the moment by a point. Do you want to kick us off with a score prediction for Saturday? Uh, I'll, I'll go for, I'm going to go another official win and I do think it'll be another another very good occasion. I'm going to say 3-0 official. I do think we'll keep up the good run at the back. I do think we'll, we'll score a few goals. So I will go 3-0 Jags. David, you're Reese's closest challenger at the moment. I, th- I, I agree with Reese. I think it's going to be a humdinger of a day. I think we are going to make Ayers Day quite miserable. I'm going to go 4-0 Jags. Brian Graham to get at least two cup the years against the air stand. Wheel out McCall to do a hat twiddle just to piss them off. Derek Collin cancelling a standing order to the Supporters Association again. I want it all. 4 0 Jags. Jamie? I think we'll win. I'm not going to be as optimistic with the goals. I'm going to say 2 0 Fissile. I swear we never win games 2 0. I think the only one I can think of this season is the Arbroath one, but I don't know. I'll say we'll win 2 0. I think we'll win comfortably enough, but it's going to be tighter than the other two games. I'm going to away quite the same way. And this is slightly off topic, it's just made me think of a stat because we said that Fistle Archives listened to this. Is this the first season since we won the league in 2012-13 that we've beaten every other team in the league? Because we didn't do it in League One and we never beat Celtic in the Premiership. Don't think we did it in 1920 or 1819 either. Uh, that'll be one for, for Fistle Archives to get in touch with, I think. I do not have that information to hand. I'm going to go for 1-0 on Saturday. As I say, I think we're doing the basics really well at the moment and I would back us to get another clean sheet I would also be like winning three games emphatically on the trot I think is so rare so I know I think we'll, we might regress and, and attack just a bit but I'll still back us to get a goal and I'll go 1-0 Thistle on Saturday earlier this week I caught up with former Partick Thistle defender Stephen Bell former Partick Thistle centre-back Stephen Bell. Stephen, how are you doing? Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And thanks very much for joining us. It's good of you. No I just want to start, just start off with telling us about how your move to Thistle came about. It was obviously a bit of a crazy time during 2021 with the COVID season and you were at East Kilbride at the time, but tell us about how your move came about. So, like you said, Matthew, it was um, the COVID hit uh, during that season. I'd, I'd literally left there at the start of the season. I chose to kind of come away from it playing kind of championship league one football because I just felt that my body was coping uh, pretty well with it. I was picking up some niggles and that, obviously my age as well. And Air United have gone a different route. I went into East Kilbride and I fairly enjoyed my time there. But as you said, COVID hit and the, the league base it didn't start back up. I got a phone call from one of the boys, Andy Gagan, just saying that basically Ian McCall. So I'll, I'll call him Gaffer just for purposes, right? So the Gaffer, the Gaffer had phoned and said that he was thinking about bringing him uh, in, in loan because he was at BSC, I'm sure. So, yeah, I got a phone call about half an hour later and it came up with my phone party for a football club. So I was expecting it. And he just he just basically said to me, do you fancy getting the gang back together? So I'd obviously Ross Dockett myself and the Gagan had played at Air United together. He recognised that the chances of the lowland league starting back up were very slim 
League One, League Two in the Championship were ready to start back up. And just, to be honest, Matthew, it wasn't really necessary to come in and play. It was more about just to be about the place. And I think McCall, anybody that knows McCall, they recognise that he's, all, he's always been big on having a, a, a positive dressing room and having kind of senior figures within that, that dressing room. So obviously my aging stage, he felt that it would be good to bring me in and try and work with the younger players and work with the players that we already had there and just try and bring a kind of winning mentality to the, to the club. How much was your decision down to Ian McCall? Would you come back uh, to play football at any time because the football was off or was Ian McCall a really big factor? I actually had a number of clubs phoning me asking if I would go on loan. None as big as Partick Thistle. But Ian McCall was, was a massive factor. The reality is, I, I, Matthew, I, I've worked um, since I left on Fairman. I've worked full-time uh, in any club I've been at, including Air United and Stranraer, I've been part-time. And when Ian McCall signed me for Air, I was part-time. So he kind of, the two of us had a, a respect amongst each other that he knew me as a person. He knew I wouldn't go and just mess about during the week if I couldn't make training certain days. And, and he, he put a lot of trust into me and um, and it worked. So I, I had no hesitation uh, coming along to Partick Thistle when, when he made that call. Yeah, you mentioned as well you were brought in as much for your, your sort of ability to some mentor players perhaps off the field and I'm thinking of the maybe Senna was a young centre-back at the time what was your relationship like with him and the, the other centre-backs at the time at the club? So I, I didn't know any of, them, any of them so like you said um, Senna, Darren Brownlee um, and even just across the back four Richard Foster obviously his ages with me and played, played against him several times Ryan Williamson guys like that so um, I suppose my, my role was just to come in and try and drive standards in training um, and, and kind of push the players that are there in front of me, like you said, Senna and Darren Brownlee. Players tend to do better when there's competition, and bringing me in, um, it created that competition, I suppose. Relationship-wise, great. Still speak to a lot of the boys. Senna, he's went on and done good things at Hartlepool at the moment, he was good at Alva last year, but um, he went through a wee sticky phase, um, which ended up allowing myself to come into the team. But in terms of how he was, um, he was always professional in and about the place despite not playing. He was obviously upset when he came out of the team, as you would be. But you can see, in, even in the game against uh, Falkirk, when they, they finally won the league, you can see the likes of him at the side celebrating with the players as if he'd scored that last goal or yeah. he'd been playing that full game. So I suppose that the atmosphere amongst the team at that stage um, was just tremendous and, and everybody played their part. What are your memories from the the running then? Because you've you've played in a, a league one in Thistle side, which not many people can say they've done. But it was obviously a bit strange. It was behind closed doors. So what what were your memories from the running? Because things really did pick up the last couple of months of that season. Because we'd been struggling a wee bit in the league until, until the league shut down and then restarted again. I think it was March time. See, to be honest, I, I just remember it being like a three weeks of chaos, <laughs> just yeah. game after game after game. I didn't train much. And to be honest, and a lot of the boys didn't really train. It was just because the games were uh, came along thick and fast. And, and once you'd finished one game, you had a day to recover, and then you were back playing again. So if I remember correctly, it was Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. We played the first two games, I think we maybe drew against Cove, yep. the first game back. And then I'd be lying if I said I knew the, the game after. Anyway, I, I, I know that, that we ended up seven or eight points behind Falkirk and we're away to East Fife and, and we were really, really poor that first half. I don't know, I couldn't put my finger on that. 
the gaffer made uh, a triple substitution at half time. And I think it was one of the ones where he'd absolutely nothing to lose at that point. With nothing to lose, we knew that if we could beat that game, I think, listen, you can never say that we wouldn't have an only won the league, but I think it would have been uh, unlikely. But the, I mean, the feeling that we got, even just coming away for two each after the game, actually realising, do you know what, we're actually playing within ourselves here. They're a fantastic group of players that should be really up the top of our league. We then go and play, I think maybe, the, I don't know if it was Clyde the game after. We won 2 0, Zach Ludden starts hitting a bit of form. And see, to be honest, Matthew, it was one of the ones we just knew after that we were too strong for every team in that league. And that's not me being big headed or that. That's just recognising the, the, the actual quality that we had in the team. We then went and blitzed a few teams. I think Airdrie, we beat Airdrie. In fact, I don't know if that was before the East Fife game, but um, we certainly beat them running up to the. Uh, where it was potentially they still had a chance to win the league. We, we, we basically demolished Montrose at home, who I would say were probably the best football team in the league out with ourselves and then obviously we all know what happened in that last game um, yep. but these five games is crucial when, when did you think that the league was sort of ours to lose because we were playing catch up for a lot well for most of that season when did you think it was ours to lose and when could you start enjoying it I don't think at any point any thought that the league was ours to lose I would probably more so say that we knew that game every game going by that we were getting closer, um, and we knew that Falkirk had kind of had a sticky patch, and we knew things weren't going pretty well there. So, but see, to be honest, you just look after yourself. We knew that when we went top, we weren't going to come away. We just we just knew that, that that was never, and the manager was never going to allow that to happen. As I said, bringing in different types of characters in the, in the change room and and creating the competition for places. I mean, Andy Gagan didn't really play a lot. But my God, what he offered off the pitch was was crucial to that team. Chris Erskine, the exact same. So we'd like two players for a lot of positions in the team. And we'd, we'd already had leaders there anyway. We'd guys like Ross Dockett and Brian Graham, they were just born leaders. So, um, and they were able to kind of help the other boys through games and that as well. So I, I wouldn't say there was any point we thought, right, this is yours to lose. I would I would more go to say, right, it was a game just taking the games off and making sure that, for example, the Erdre the game, Coming through that, winning 1-0, when we should have been about 4 or 5 up in the first 20 minutes. Coming through that, winning 1-0, we knew right there out of it. Um, and then when we drew two each away to Cove, that was a massive point. It stopped him basically having an opportunity to win the league. So it knocked him out of it. And then it was just basically, well, winner takes all really in the Falkirk game. And we knew that we were going to win that and we, uh, we'd win the league and we'd done emphatically. Can I ask you a wee bit about uh, the off-the-field stuff? You've mentioned Gagan and, and Erskine there, and obviously yourself. How, how do you think you and the others help the, the rest of the squad? Is it through just leading by example? Do you pull players aside for a chat at any point? W- how do you influence the rest of the squad? I think with your behaviours. Um, I think it's easy when you lose games of football to become emotional. Everybody, Everybody's feeling low. Everybody's feeling emotional. But I think um, you have to be able to cope with that. Suppose it's emotional intelligence at the end of the day. Recognising when players need that wee extra support, recognising when players need a cuddle. And I mean, these these things are not, it's no rocket science. At the end of the day, it's recognising that your teammates and, and having relationships with them, listening to them, talking to them, getting to know them as a person. I mean, before games, I always felt that the games when we were at home, we were in the, the lounge area getting changed and the music's playing, but naturally I would go around to most of the players and talk, just talk to them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really talk much about the game. I would just, I would just talk to them, 
try and create a relaxing, calming atmosphere. I think that the biggest thing for me would be that see if anybody was to walk into the changing room and look about, I would hope they would think right there. They're not feeling nervous here. They don't. They're not feeling that this is a big game today. That they're feeling like they're feeling relaxed, and that's a big thing. Gagan just has a a fantastic way of getting people to laugh, and I know that. That might sound a bit kind of silly, especially when you're going for a league, but it relaxes people. And there was a real togetherness. Players, the older players start bringing a togetherness and showing that they're with each other. The younger ones feed off of that. We'd had experience of that. I've had experience of that at clubs I've won leagues before. These are the big things I took from it. Just trying to have a calm and relaxing atmosphere. There's always a, I've always thought that don't get too high when it's going good and don't get too low when it's not going good. And we went a fantastic run, but we never got ahead of ourselves and making sure everybody knows our job. And after the games, we were all in cuddling each other. We were all in, there was a great atmosphere and everybody you just knew was in it together. And you know, I think that gives you that extra yard on the pitch. Yeah. If your, your teammate makes a mistake, you're going to try and do everything you can to get them out that that hole that they've put themselves in and try and help them. And I think you could you could clearly see that with the celebrations that we were going to league and, and even every goal that we scored, we were all in it together. Yeah. I'll come back to the rest of your time at Thistle in a minute, but you've you've sort of mentioned you, you went straight into the dressing room and had a, a leadership role. Is is management something you see in your future? Uh, certainly something I would I would I would consider. There's absolutely no denying that, but I don't see myself doing it right at the the moment just now. I, I've always believed that there's a pathway to these things. I think that there's a lot of players that go straight into it. And can make listen, we're always you're always making people are always making mistakes. That's how we learn. I'm no different for anybody else. Um but I think when it's just such a cutthroat business as it is, I would like to become a coach first and yeah. um and build my strengths that way. I do feel I've got I've been captains at clubs before, I've been a I've been a captain at air, I had a kind of leadership role in the in the dressing room at Patrick Thistle. I'd say the same with Don Fairman towards the end of my time and I was a captain at Shinrar. So I have been in positions where kind of a leader of a group and I, I do see myself being a coach at one point I suppose when I chose to retire in the summer there and um, just after the summer I had a wee stint at Kelty Hearts um, but when I chose to retire it was predominantly to spend more time with my family they've been a great support for me for over the years and my t- children are getting a bit older now so that's really my, my focus lies but it's certainly something that I would I would like to do I have had opportunities to get to get back into it I've had opportunities over the last, probably before Patrick Thistle, to take on coaching roles in the SPFL. I've chose not to do it for, for a number of reasons. Um, your children are only one young ones, and I just feel that, that that can being a coach or a manager can still come later on in my life when my children are a bit, bit older. Yeah. Uh, just rewinding, um, after the we won the league, you've signed on for the, the season in the championship. How easy a decision was that to make? It actually wasn't an easy decision. It was a really tough decision, actually, because, as I said, my plan was to actually come away from playing at that level. I didn't feel I could... I know that I'd done particularly well in the seven, eight games I played in League One. I don't even know if it was as, as many as that, to be honest. And we, we went and won the league, but I think adrenaline gets you through a lot of that, and, and the players went about me. The players went about me were, I mean... Ross Dockett in front of me, Darren Brownlee next to me. They're still playing championship now and hopefully going and win the league this year. So they could potentially be playing Premier League next year. Richie Foster, another example. So when you surround yourself with good players, it makes your game easier. I think that when I stopped, when I chose to, to leave air, 
that was me kind of trying to um, wean away from myself away from playing games when I was maybe running 10, 12, 11 kilometres a game and, and trying to kind of just prolong my career a bit longer um, and playing at a lesser level. So the, it was difficult to turn around and say yes. And I know that sounds a bit silly because it's Patrick Thistle and not everybody gets an opportunity to play for a club of that stature. But I suppose Ian McCall it, it says to me that I, would, I wouldn't be first choice or second choice. Um, and to be honest, probably not first choice either. I was more fourth choice. He was looking to bring another set of half in. So I decided to stay on because I still felt I could add to that dressing room and a leadership role that we spoke about earlier on and trying men of the younger players and then play when asked upon. Now I ended up picking up a, an injury earlier on in the season. I just couldn't get back to a, a level of fitness. So my plan was, I always had the plan to retire at the end of this season, sorry, last season anyway. So I thought, right, it's a good way to bow out um, at a club like Partick Thistle. So, um, and two, I know I've said it wasn't an easy decision, there's no many players at my age get an opportunity to go and play championship with Partick Thistle, that's for sure. I'm just kind of looking at more of a, a, an angle from the, the, the pressure I was putting through my own body and, and actually try to maintain a level of fitness and um, ability at playing in the championship because it's not an easy league to play as you can, as you're seeing week in, week out uh, at the moment. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't easy, but, but um, I was glad I'd done it in the end. Did you enjoy last season? Because as you mentioned, you picked up an injury and you were a, a bit part player, sort of coming off the bench in the towards the end of the season. D- did you enjoy it? Because it was it was a sort of semi-successful season at like the club. It was his first season back in the championship. And we did win a lot of games, so I can imagine the atmosphere in the change room would, would have been would have been good. Did you enjoy the season? I, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, in a, in a playing sense. Um, I've not really said this to many people, but see, in the playing sense, when I came back, I knew I was near the level where the club should be. And in terms of, the, we went through that real, real sticky patch towards the end of last season when we just scraped it at the playoffs. And I just felt that the club and the supporters deserved better than somebody like myself, who, fair enough, had done well for in the League One. But in terms of uh, pushing to try and get to that playoff spot, I didn't feel I was capable of being in the team at that point. But then there was injuries and there was lack of form to players and, and McCall put a lot of trust in me and he, and he put me in a team in certain games. I just felt that I couldn't offer the club what they needed. Um, so I didn't enjoy that because one thing you don't want to do is when you do make a good impression at a club, you don't want to then kind of take that away by performing under a level that they expect. And I felt that's what I'd done last year. I didn't feel I could get to that level again. So... That was upsetting for me. But in terms of still being about the place, I, I just felt it was a big test for me because, as I said, being injured is tough. I've been there before. I've had some really bad injuries in my career, unfortunately. And, but being about the place and trying to kind of when you're around about other players that are injured, you've got to maintain that kind of level-headed, like, try and be a, a kind of a senior figure and that promotes strength and stuff like that and promotes talking and trying to help. And I, I felt I'd done that, so I enjoyed that. I still, still enjoyed being about the players in the changing rooms and stuff like that and being about the club in general and you're, you're speaking to people every day that, that they don't really get a lot of the limelight but they do a fantastic job at the club. Um, yep. So I enjoyed all that um, but in terms of actual playing it was really frustrating last year. So yeah, there's, 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 there was things I enjoyed but there was things I didn't enjoy um, unfortunately and that one of the things I didn't enjoy was as I said being injured. Can I ask you, how common, obviously you've sort of said you've, you've recognised that your performance 
wasn't where you wanted it to be. How common do you think that is amongst sort of professional footballers coming to the tail end of their career? This, do you think some need a nudge or at the most sort of just know when, when this, I don't know, when their legs have gone or when they're just not performing where they want to be? I don't, I, honestly, I can't, I can't comment on what other people would feel. I think that you know yourself when you, I mean, like, there's a game in particular I came on last year, it was Hamilton at home, and I think we could beat 4 0. And when I came on at half time, it was, it was one of the ones where the speed of the game within the first five minutes really hit me. I was I couldn't believe how fast it was. But I've played most of my career in the championship. So straight away it was the brains there, but the legs unfortunately aren't there. And I think that's when you start to see that even the best players in the world, the guys that play at the top, top, top level, their brains and their legs unfortunately get to a stage where they don't work together. And um, your brain's saying you want to do something, but your legs kinda do it. And I think that hits every player. There will be players that will cling on um for one reason or another, but I just suppose I just you don't want to call it, you don't want to get to a stage where you say, right, that's me, that's me retired, because it's a short career and you've got a long life to live. And I suppose I struggled a bit at the end of the season, although I had a plan to do it, I still didn't find it easy to say, right, no, that's me finally done. Yeah. I think when I went to Kelty Hearts, I kind of realised, right, I can't offer what I was offering in terms of being on the pitch, but off the pitch, I was offering a lot more of what I was doing when I was younger because of the experience I had. So, yeah. But it's not easy. Uh, just a quick one to finish off, if that's all right. Could you pick a, a five-a-side team of Thistle players that you played with at the club? All right, OK. Um, well, it would need to be Jamie Snedder in goal. Uh, yeah. I, think he was, I, think, I think he was maybe the only keeper I, I played with at the club, so that's an easy one. Um, I'd have to go with Ross Doherty, Brian Graham, and I'll, I'll, go, I'll go Scott Tiffany. Yep. I, think there's, I think in that team there's not a lot of legs. So Scott <laughs> Tiffany would add would add a bit of pace to that, um, and certainly some goals. So nice. a bit of guile. So yeah, that's my team. Nice, Stephen. Thanks very much for joining us, and thanks for all you did at the club because that team I think gave a lot of people quite a lot of joy when they were locked up, and it's a shame they didn't get a proper celebration with the fans. But uh, thanks for joining us, and thanks for all your contributions that season. No problem. Thanks very much, Matthew. And just as I said earlier on, the, the, uh, before we started this, it was. A great honour to uh, represent the club and for such a, sh- a short period of my career, it was, a, it was a, one of the best periods of my career. So, And hopefully this season they go in and get themselves back where they deserve to belong in that Premier League. So that, after, that perfo- after that performance on the night, they certainly, they certainly can do it. Yep, fingers crossed. Stephen, thanks very much. It was great chat. Thanks, mate. Cheers. David, I was chatting to Heather Holloway earlier for this 10th anniversary pod, which I'm, I'm sure you'll hear the chat maybe in about three months' time uh, when you come round to editing this. But um, she's asked for some some Masters content. And I know none of you are really golf fanatics. So I've come up with a little golf five-a-side team. Like, what golfers would I want in a five-a-side team? So I'll run through this quickly before we move on to Partridge Thistle. So obviously I would have Phil Mickelson in goals because like he's mad Phil. Goalkeepers are mad. I've also seen Phil Mickelson rock the the double hand warmer look so i think he could he could wear some some goalie gloves and and put in a, a solid performance in goals if maybe a bit erratic you'd have john ram at center back you know solid dependable 
Um, I don't think he'd be, I think it'd be a no nonsense centre back. I like John Ram at centre back. Uh, Rory McIlroy midfield. You know he's missed he missed the I think he missed the Open a few years ago with an injury playing football with his pals. So that sort of commitment you've got to reward with a start. Jordan Spieth would be your, your sort of maverick midfielder. You know sometimes very good, sometimes very shit. And I think Kevin Na, a sort of left field choice for a striker. It when he puts, he he races the ball to the hole, so he he's got that bit of speed. A nippy striker. Also, he's I think he's quite an unpopular player amongst his peers. So you need that sort of shit housery in the five side team. So there's your five side team: Mickelson, Ram, McIlroy, Spieth, Nah. I would fancy that down at the Power League. That will probably get cut, David. Fair enough if you decide to cut that. Seeing as you're outing me is going to see Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> I'm absolutely keeping it in just having to go, what's this golf pick on about? Um, so. uh, one for the golf fans out there. I know there are a few golf fans that listen, so that, that was for you. Uh, we'll finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle. And I took my, my good friend Jonathan Tweedy, happy birthday, Johnny, if you're listening, it's his birthday today, uh, to the Queen's Park game on Friday night. And he had never seen Partridge Thistle win. That was a 16th game, and he has broken that streak. He's been going on and off since about 2005. Never seen a Thistle win until Friday night. So I'm going to ask you, when has your lucky or unlucky item either ran out of luck or broken its curse? David, you've definitely got some weird cat house-related answer, that I'm, I'm sure. So, Jamie, I'll start with you on this one. I actually have an answer for once, and it's festival related as well. I'm one of those people who, well, I, not as much these days, but I used to be the kind of weird superstitions with football about, you know, wearing the same kits to certain games if we'd won in them and stuff. And uh, I think was it, I think it was a couple of seasons ago. I think it was top six season. Every time I wore uh, the white away top, that one we had the top six season, the one with the, the yellow trim around it, we won the game every single time. I think it went on and on until I actually can't remember who it is we lost to but we lost the game finally it might even be Motherwell away I'm not sure but we, we lost the game in it and I was hoping that that top would remain undefeated all season but it didn't but I don't know I'm, I don't know if anyone else has that kind of weird stuff about not wanting to change stuff you've worn to certain games because it makes a massive difference obviously Reese, if I recall correctly from early early episodes you're quite a superstitious person you got any little unlucky or lucky streaks that have been broken I was just about to say, but just it's similar to what Jamie does, but he, it's it's actual bizarre the lengths I go to. Like what the stuff that I do has absolutely zero effect on football, but in my head, if I don't do it, then like we're not going to win. So and it changes all the time. I'm so superstitious, like you actually can't believe in. It's only with Thistle, really. Um, so there's been times where like, I, so I wear whatever I'm wearing to the game if we win I'll wear the exact same thing the next week so there's been times where like we started off and it was freezing it's a Tuesday night it's freezing cold I've got a big massive jacket on and three games down the line it's, it's sunny we're at air everyone's got taps off and I'm sitting with this jacket on man like a hat and everything like I, I just need to do it until we lose so I bet like the, the my new one lately is wild the, the one that I'm doing at the moment is wild and we're on a good run since Dylan's came in to be honest so the one that I'm doing at the moment is on, on a Saturday <laughs> On a Saturday, I'll always go and get a coffee from Starbucks and I'll get a, what do you call it, 
a little brownie. I don't don't ask why, right? But the only day I done this, I done it on a Saturday. We won that game, so the next Saturday come around, I need to do it again. And we've been winning games, so I need to keep doing it. I do. Sometimes I don't even want it, but I need to do it, or else we won't win. Honestly, man, it's like OCD sort of shit. So, but, <laughs> but that that'll be my answer at the moment. I've got a current streak going going at the minute. The the coffee and brownie run. I like that. Keep it up, uh, David. I just, I just want to give a big shout out to one of my favourite moments of the season, seeing Reese looking like a fucking boiled tatty um, at Stenhouse being on like 35 degree heat with his giant black jacket on, to the point where even I went, overdoing it a bit, aren't you? The man has never had like short sleeves in his life. Um, but um, yeah, my, I'm, I'm going to keep it fissile related here this time, but um, my, my friends, uh, Jack Church, aka Jack Chapel, aka Jackie Synagogue, um, <laughs> He's a double. He was a double curse. Um, because he was because much like Johnny, he didn't see us win for about eight games. Um, he didn't see us score for about seven games to the point when when we scored and they changed the scoreboard from zero to one. He screamed, "It's not painted on." Um, so that was quite good. But as well as that, he's, he broke that streak. But now he's had he had another streak which was also broken on Friday of every time he meets you, we lose. That's so right. it was a real, a proper combo breaker of streaks getting absolutely laid into the ground um, on Friday. So that's why we're winning the league, because we've broken all the hoodoos. You know, we beat our broth. You know, Johnny Tweedy's seen his one. You and Jack Chappell have, have also, you know, seen a game where you've met each other and won. Like, nothing can stop us now. But yeah, I would go, I would go with that, because, I mean, we did have my wife never seeing a team I support lose, and then that got absolutely... Emulated at Aberdeen <laughs> beat four one, so you know. I, I checked my phone at about quarter past nine on on Friday night, and Jack had messaged me and just said, "God bless America." And it was <laughs> it, it was at that point, n- not when the second, third, or fourth goals hit the net. It was at that point I knew we'd won the game. It was beautiful. <laughs> oh, before we go, I just want to do a wee shout out to somebody. Um, I, I put on a I put a, I put on a metal gig yesterday. I was working the door at a metal gig last night, and a guy tried to get in for free by saying he was a Fissel fan. I don't know who this guy is. He's a metalhead who likes Fissel, but he I, I've never seen him in my life before, and he never told me his name. So it, there is a, there's a a fair a fair possibility he listens to this podcast. So hello, and um I, as promised, if you if you come to the Woody and say hello to me, I'll buy you a pint because I made you pay again. Excellent. No, also nobody's taken me up on the offer of a of a free pie for completing that this this survey. So um, I was going to ask you that as well. Yeah, val- valid to the end of the season, obviously. Valid to the end of the season that one. What what? Uh, so like basically, they need to get to you before we hit the fifth in Kirkcaldy to win the league title as Queens Park and Dundee are on the boring now now. Before the helicopter touches down, that's when it's voided. <laughs> If you um, have made it to this point of draw, lose or draw, thank you. And we will be back next week to look back on hopefully the continuation of our, of our good form against there and to preview our trip to Hamilton. In the meantime, stay safe.